You are listening to a message from First Assembly of God. We are a church on a mission to restore everyone, everywhere, to a loving and holy God. If today's message inspires you in any way, would you consider sharing it with a friend? This is just one of the many ways that you can be a part of what God is doing here at First Assembly. Good morning. How many think it took a lot of convincing to get Pastor Dave to fall into the pool there? Not really, not really. Just, uh, just a subtle suggestion he was all in, literally. Well, I hope you're having a great morning together or today. You're ready to have a good time. This is the middle week of our Friends series, and we're excited to have you here. When you find a good friend, when you find a godly friend, you find a great gift. You find a valuable treasure that you don't want to lose. We're talking all series on what it means to find a godly friend, to become a godly friend, and we want you to have opportunities to invite a friend here. So we've got brand new round invite cards that are available. Many of you have already taken these. In fact, I've met a visitor at our church who came holding one of these. So isn't that awesome? Can we give a round of applause to that? That's fantastic. But we want you to meet someone at First Assembly, and maybe if you're part of of the newer group of people that are attending and you're starting to look for a friend, we want to give you those opportunities, and that's what this pick two is all about in your worship guide this morning, looking for opportunities, and we want you to literally pick two. Go to two things, a life group or a hangout, an event or a teaching group. Find two opportunities during this friend series to find a friend. And so let me highlight two. Number one, ladies. Come on, give it up, ladies. Where are you? Yeah, nice. You're about to experience an awesome weekend. So the Brave Conference, the Brave Women's Weekend is coming. You've got this brochure in your uh, worship guide today. There's a beautiful booth decorated for fall right out in the lobby. Make sure you stop by there. It's going to have great food, great fun, and awesome, powerful teaching from our friend Chandra Lucas. We support her. She's part of our missionary family. She and her husband Todd are co-leaders of Chi Alpha in Chicago, and uh, it's going to be a powerful time. So ladies, make sure you take advantage of that opportunity. And men, let me hear from you. Give me a good growl. Give me a good hoo hoo There you go. Of course, we've got our uh, Caleb's 100 uh, Cajun meal there with jambalaya, gumbo, and crawfish. Of course, beignets that's actually spelled correctly this week. Uh, Yeah, thank you for our French teacher in back who uh, highlighted that for me. And don't forget, we will top off the meal, of course, with a bunch of Tums. In all seriousness, I think I, I may have missed, of all the Caleb's 100s, I've probably only missed two. Um, because I've been out of town, Um, but for those that I've been at, and I've been at almost all of them, I never leave without feeling that I've grown. Um, Art Bray, one of our long-term deacons, now on part of that group of men that helps serve as elders for me, is our primary teacher there, and it is powerful, and it's rich. I know a little bit about what he's talking about, and it is going to be good. So men, make uh, the best effort to be there this coming Friday evening. Uh, The food is being provided for free. Um, Art Bray doesn't charge us $1,000 to come speak, so it is a free event for the men. You want to make sure you're there. 
and, and come out. He's worth a thousand bucks to come here speak, but it doesn't charge us that. So you ready to pray? Come on, you ready? God, thank you for your word. It comes alive in our hearts, and when it just sinks down into who we really are, into the core of our being, it's planted as a seed deep within our soul. Your spirit comes, and it takes root, and it grows, and it changes us. Today, we want you to lead us toward finding the right kind of friends, and we want your spirit to transform us to become the right kind of friend. Speak to us today in Christ's name. Amen. Week one, we looked at this, this uh, juxtaposition of friends, right? The, the hothead versus the warm-hearted friend. Avoid the hothead. We looked at a little video clip of George Costanza, right? I'm losing it! We, we had the George Costanza, the hothead. Uh, Proverbs, I think it's 22. Let's go. Am I right? Yeah, Proverbs 22. Don't befriend an angry person or you'll become just like them. If you hang around a hothead, you'll become a hothead. If you're around a person that's always causing conflicts, always starting fires, you will eventually be burned. Week two, it was this juxtaposition of the fair weather friend versus the faithful Sam. And of course, faithful Sam, Samwise Gamgee, the, uh, one of the main characters in uh, the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Faithfulness. The fair weather friend and the faithful friend look a lot alike. You can't distinguish the two until fair weather turns foul. And during life's difficulties, you find out who your faithful friend is. Proverbs, I'm thinking it's 17, nope, 18. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend is faithful and sticks closer than a brother. Today is part three, the third installment. We're going to look at two types of friends, but as I've been reflecting on this series, thinking about it, there are just some kinds of friends that are real practical that you all need to have. I mean, when you move to a new town and you've got to establish some new friends, there are types of friends you're looking for. So here's my best shot. You, you probably all want to have a friend uh, that's on this list. So type number one is the can I borrow your truck friend. How many have a can I borrow your truck friend? You have a friend you call when you need a pickup. Raise your hand. You, 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 you know who the pickup guy is. All right, if you are the pickup friend, raise your hand. Some of you look around, write down some names. You need that pickup friend. How about this? Do you have a friend that's this? Do I need to go to the ER friend? This is like the nurse or the doctor. You call like, uh, my toddler just swallowed his Lego Batman. Do I need to go to the ER? Now, if your husband swallowed Lego Batman, that's a different kind of doctor you probably need to call. Um, but we all need that friend, that nurse, that physician that's like, oh, no, what do I do? Do I need to go to the ER? Um, there's the friend, let's see, what's the next one? Oh, the I know a guy friend. This is the friend who can't do anything, right? They can't solve a single problem. They can't fix anything. They don't know anything, but they know everybody. It's like, hey, I have a bed bug problem. Oh, I know a guy. Hey, I need a bed and breakfast in Istanbul, Turkey. Oh, I know a guy. How many have a know a guy friend? that is just the consummate networker. Finally, how about this? The I can fix that kind of friend that can just fix anything. Your refrigerator goes out, you call this friend. Your car won't start, you call this friend. How many know the fix-it friend? Critical. 
It, actually, let me give a shout out to Pastor Kenny's tech team. They were here for about six hours yesterday fixing things. And uh, can we give them a round of applause, serving the Lord, <laughs> volunteering. You've got to keep a 19, how many know, 1977 was not built for 2018 technology. And we're constantly having to update things and change things. The 1977 funeral home curtains went away too. Glad to have those gone. And uh, I just appreciate uh, those that volunteer in our church serving the Lord by fixing things. Sometimes what needs to be fixed is a relationship. Sometimes the thing in your life that is broken, sometimes that most critical need of repair, it's not your car, it's not your furnace, it's not your fridge, it's your friend, or it's your spouse, or it's your daughter. Who do you have in your life that's a fix-it friendship? Are you the kind of friend that is good at fixing friendships? All friendships run into tension and hurt and offense. Everybody who is in a loving relationship will be hurt. Everybody that's in a friendship will eventually be offended. You will offend or you will be offended. It is an absolute given. How many have had someone unfriend them on Facebook, right? Back when Facebook was called a yearbook, here's how you unfriended people, right there. Just, that's, that's, uh, that's how people were unfriended when I was in high school. Now you offend someone and they defriend you. They walk out of your digital life and you're left wondering, what happened? What did I say? Relationships always require fixing. Your marriage, your family, your work environment, your team, your friend. Sometimes, sometimes the best friendships, sometimes best friends start out with a little bit of conflict and a great need of fixing. This next clip probably doesn't need an introduction. It's Pixar's probably greatest friendship duo, Buzz Lightyear and Woody. How many have seen Toy Story? This is a scene from the first of the three movies where it's kind of heading toward this climax of conflict between the new space toy, Buzz Lightyear, and the classic cowboy doll, Woody. Woody's been Andy, the boy's favorite toy, growing up, and now Buzz is taking over, and the conflict has risen, and now the two toys have left the house, they've fallen, and or Buzz has fallen, and Woody's in the car, and they meet up with each other, and Woody is hoping to reestablish a friendship. This friendship needs to be fixed, but it's not ready to be fixed. Let's watch this. Oh, great. How am I going to convince those guys it was an accident? Buzz! Buzz! Ha! You're alive! This is great!
saved. And he'll find you here. He'll take us back to the room, and then you can tell everyone that this was all just a big mistake. Huh? Right? Buddy? I just want you to know that even though you tried to terminate me, revenge is not an idea we promote on my planet. Oh, well, that's good. But we're not on my planet, are we? No. Okay, come on! You want a piece of me? If you're a real Pixar fan, you know the license plate number. Anyone know that? Oh, a couple? Yeah, A113. That's in every single Pixar movie. And my family, big Pixar fans, guess what my son Sam's room number is in college? 113. I don't know, but there may be a God out there picking his room. Every relationship needs fixed. Every friendship will need repair. Wounds happen in life, in marriage, in families. We get wounded. But a wounded friendship does not have to become a former friendship. A wounded friendship does not have to become a former friendship. How can we learn how can we learn to be a fix-it kind of person? How can we learn to be the kind of friend that is really good at fixing things, fixing relationships? Today we're going to look at one proverb. We're going to look at it in three different translations. And we're going to pick this one proverb out, Proverbs 17.9. We're going to look at three translations and let's just dig deep and dissect what it is that we need to be good at in order to be the kind of friend that repairs relationship. So we're going to start three translations. We're going to start with the most literal translation and go to the most dynamic. And it's probably one of the most asked questions I get about, you know, Bible study, especially with newer believers. They ask me, what, what version of Bible should I buy? So let me just briefly, before we dive into this, kind of answer that question. If you're new to the faith, what version should you buy? Let me give you two answers, right? Because I think everyone should own two translations. They don't have to be these exact translations, but the two philosophies, and both of them are valid. You need a literal translation. My favorite is an English standard version. It's ESV. It's a very pretty new translation, only about five, six years old. No, about 10 years old now. English Standard Version is a literal translation. In other words, the translators work to give the most literal word-for-word translation from either the Hebrew or the Greek, ESV. My favorite dynamic equivalent um, translation is New Living Translation, NLT, New Living Translation. A dynamic interpretation team doesn't try to translate word-for-word. They try to translate idea by idea or meaning for meaning, and both are valid. If Pastor Jose was up here translating English into Spanish, there would be times when he would want to literally interpret what I say. 
because my literal English words have a very equivalent literal translation. If I were to say, Jesus loves you, he could translate that literally, Jesus loves you. If I were to say, it's raining cats and dogs, and you translate that literally, I'm not saying it's raining felines and canines. I'm saying it's raining really hard. And so he might translate that, it was raining really hard. Both translations are true, one is dynamic and one is literal. Does that make sense? So both philosophies of Bible translation are valid and good, and a maturing believer would do well to have both. Make sense? So we're going to look at three translations of one verse. We're going to start with the ESV. We're going to move to the New Living Translation, and then we'll go to the most dynamic. In fact, it's not literally a translation. It's a paraphrase called the Message Version. All three of these Bibles, wonderful products. So we're going to look at this verse. Here it is on the screen. Proverbs 17, Verse 9, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. So let's look right away. We've got two types of friends, type 1 and type 2. Friend number 1, friend number 2. We read this version, the ESV, English Standard Version, and we discover this. One type of friend covers over an offense. Another type of friend repeats it. Translation number two, New Living Translation. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. So here, translated friend number one forgives the fault. Friend number two dwells on it. Message version reads this way. Overlook an offense and bond a friendship. Fasten to a slight goodbye friend. Friend number one covers, forgives, and here in the message overlooks the offense. Friend number two repeats, dwells, and fastens on it. The offense, the fault, The hurt, the need for healing is the same. The constant in this equation is hurt. In your marriage, you will be hurt. In your family, you will be hurt. In your friendships, you'll be hurt. That's the constant. But the variable in the equation is how an individual responds to the hurt or the offense. Friend number one and friend number two, very different responses. Let's start with friend number two. Friend number two is the friend who repeats, who dwells on it, who fastens on it. Friend number one is the friend who's repairing the relationship, covers, forgives, and overlooks. Our question today is, Are you the friend that repeats the hurt? Or are you the friend that repairs it? Will you be the friend who repairs? Or will you be the friend who repeats? The friend who repeats. Who says it again. And again. And again. Now sometimes it's legitimate. Sometimes in a relationship it's complicated. Perhaps 
It's an authority figure. Someone at work, your boss, your direct report, someone over you who has offended you and hurt you, and you've got this complicated relationship, and you need godly counsel on how to heal the hurt. Of course, you share that with someone else who can speak wisdom to you. Pray with you. What am I supposed to do with this? Maybe you're in a family situation that's complex, and you're trying to figure out how to resolve the issue with your mother-in-law. And you go to a trusted friend and I need wisdom. What do I do about this phone call? Obviously, you can repeat it to people who are trusted, who are helpful when the, when the relationship is complicated and you need wisdom. However, most of the time, we just repeat it. I just need to get this off my heart. I just need help processing this hurt. And we spread the hurt around like little seeds of animosity and hurt. And we repeat it to others, and it spreads, and it grows, and becomes more complex. This happens in small groups of individuals like families, friend groups, churches, and it happens to entire cultures. Our culture has become exceedingly good at repeating an offense. Someone can be offended a thousand miles away and repeat the hurt, and it makes me mad, and I start getting hurt. And we repeat it, and it spreads. In fact, we are so good as a culture at repeating hurts and offenses and telling everybody what's wrong and what made us mad. We've got a word for it. It's called Twitter. (laughs) We have become masters, masters of repeating an offense, spreading it, escalating it. Listen to the Proverbs. A troublemaker, and our world is so full of troublemakers, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Like a farmer sowing his crop, planting seeds of strife. This offended me, that offended me. Can you believe they? Can you believe she? How could they? Spreading seeds of strife. Gossip will then separate the best of friends. I have in my landscaping the most stubborn weed imaginable. It's a Canadian thistle. How many know what a Canadian thistle is? Nasty weed. Go out there every couple of weeks, pull the weed out of my landscaping, and it come right back. Pull the weeds out, comes right back. I called Weed Man. The Weed Man guy went out there, and it ate him alive. It reached up, grabbed him, and pulled him into the landscaping. Never saw him again. Wicked, wicked weed. And I, I don't, I can't believe I failed to remember my dad out on the farm spending Saturdays spraying what? Canadian thistles out on the farm. And it occurred to me, I'll never, ever pull this out. So I bought one of those big, like, industrial-sized, kill-everything-green things, like Roundup. Filled my air tank, my pump sprayer, and like every week, spray, 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 kill and kill and kill. Looked it up on Google. Its root system can be 20 feet long. That's what I'm up against. And that's nothing, nothing compared to the seeds of strife that people can sow into a group, into a family, into a community, into a nation. Hebrews chapter 12. Many of you know this verse. 
But think about it in the context of our talk today. Watch out. That means pay attention. Pay attention to what words you're listening to on the news. Pay attention to what you're reading on social media. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. That's not you plural. It's you individually. Watch out that there's not a bitter root. Someone's put seeds of strife in you, hurt and offense that you've picked up and now you're harboring and look at what happens to that root of bitterness in you, in you, in you. When it's in an individual, where does it go? Corrupts many. Because you speak it, you repeat it. What is brewing inside you always comes out. Because out of the abundance of the heart, see, when we think a friend that's repeating and they're and they're spreading it out, they're tweeting it all over the place, verbally and digitally. We think, man, if they were just like, you know what mama always used to say, right? If you don't have something good to say, man, wouldn't our nation be quiet for a little? I don't think anyone would speak in Congress. But here's the deeper issue. We're repeating it out of our mouths because where is it? It's in our heart. In fact, the first place we repeat an offense is not out of our mouth. It's in our heart and in our mind. We're talking to ourselves. I can't believe he said that to me. Did you see that look that person gave? They just cut me off. How could people be so rude? Did you? And you have this self-conversation where you're repeating it, repeating it, repeating it. You're at dinner that night, and you're still stewing over it. The next morning, you go to bed angry, you wake up, and it's still being rehearsed in your mind. What you rehearse in your head is coming out of your mouth eventually. When we think repeating them, that's why I love looking at these different translations. It's not just speaking it over and over. It's dwelling on it. It's fastening to it. This offense, this hurt really got me, and I can't let it go. And you'll sow seeds of discord and strife, and you'll separate friends. It may start innocent enough. Man, that hurt me so bad. Why did they do that? But if you're a day, two days, a month, you have a root of bitterness. Romans says this, be transformed into the image of Jesus by the renewing of what? Those thoughts, those thoughts will burn you and destroy friendships. Let me briefly touch on one more. We repeat it to others. Next slide. We repeat it to ourselves. And let me briefly hit this one. And this one's more complicated. We can repeat it to God. It's always good. Please hear me through this segment because this is going to stretch some of you. It's always good to take your hurt to God. It's always good to take your hurt to God. God, God isn't going to spread your gossip, right? Oh, God, he hurt me so bad. How could he say that? And God's like, hey, Jesus, Holy Spirit, did you hear that one? And they go tell somebody else. That's not going to happen. Jesus isn't corrupted by your hurt, right? You can't spread seeds of discord into God. You got me? You tracking with me? You, I hope you are. This is going to get challenging. Do you understand that? It is good to take your hurt 
to God. It's not that God will be infected by our hurt. It's that your prayers can be hijacked by your hurt. Where you simply are repeating the hurt to God and you're not moving on. Your hurt can hijack your relationship with Jesus. Some people will say, just be real with God. Just be authentic. It doesn't matter what you're saying to God. Just be real. That's all that matters. And that's not true. Let me stretch you. That's not true. When the disciples went to Jesus, says, oh, Jesus, teach us to pray. Aren't you glad Jesus said, oh, don't worry about it. Just be real with God. Whatever you want to say, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're thinking, just spout it out to God because that's all that matters in prayer. Just be authentic with God. That's the bottom line, end of story. And that's not true. Let me push you. The goal of prayer is never for Joel to be authentic with God and to remain the authentic, hurt, small, selfish, proud person that I am. My goal is to be authentic with God so he will transform me into the Joel he's called me to be. And when I kneel before God authentically, the Joel that stands up needs to be a little bit more like Jesus than when I knelt. So you can be authentic and raw and real with God, and that's a good place to start. But if you stay your shallow, selfish, childish, authentic you, you haven't met with Jesus. I believe in being authentic. I believe Jesus has called our church to be diverse, authentic, empowered, and engaged. We don't need to live a lie, but we don't have to remain a lie. Some people simply repeat their hurt to God. God, I'm so mad at my wife. You need to change her. Can you believe she said that? God, I pray that you would get a hold of my wife's heart. You change who she is. And you never once say, man, God, look at me. And suddenly when you go from just being authentic to being authentically desiring to be like Jesus, God will heal something in your life. The disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus didn't say, ah, it doesn't matter, just be real. No, no, no. Jesus said, I'm glad you asked. And when you pray, and he taught us how to pray. And you know what? You get to the middle of the prayer where Jesus gives us the sample of prayer. And what does Jesus highlight but this? Forgive us our sin as we forgive others. One of the points of prayer is not repeating, but forgiving. In fact, Jesus goes on to say, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, you are hijacking God's forgiving work in your life. So repeating the offense to God, saying, God, I'm hurt. That's good. Be real. Be authentic. Take your hurt to the Lord, but don't simply repeat it Dwell on it, stew on it, let Jesus bring forgiveness into your life. That friend repeats, dwells, and fastens, whereas this friend covers it. He covers it, lets it go, forgives. Remember when we were talking about in, in Revelation chapter 2, the church of Ephesus, you've left behind your first love. You, 
set down the love of the Lord and you moved on. That's the same idea of forgiveness. You've placed it there, that hurt, that offense. You said, you know what, that's just going to stay there. My life is moving forward. That's not going to impact me. You cover it over, that little burning ember of hurt. You take a wet blanket and just, done. You just cover it. You smother it. That's not going to impact me. You overlook it. Here it is in your way. You're like, oh, look at that big, ugly, hurtful offense. And you just kind of like, if you're my height, you have to get up on your tiptoes probably. And you you just kind of, I'm overlooking that barrier, that hurt. I'm going to look beyond it. I see a future where this doesn't impact me. I'm moving ahead toward the future that God has. This hurt isn't going to hijack the friendship. Make sense? Are you with me? Friend number one, a person who repairs, covers, forgives, overlooks. Friend number two, dwells on it, fastens to it, and repeats. And look at the consequence. When you forgive and you cover and overlook, you bond. Love is reinforced. The relationship grows. When you repeat, you dwell, you fasten. There's separation. Here's the good news. God is this kind of friend. Thank you. Here's the good news. This is the gospel. Those of you who are new to the faith, you're here just trying to figure out Jesus. This is God. He covers my sin. He forgives my failures. He overlooks my rebellion. And he's determined to grow a loving relationship with me. Romans chapter 5, we've looked at it each week. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us what? You don't become friends with God if God was this way. God is this. I need two volunteers, six foot tall. Six foot tall. Mac, you may not quite be six foot, but you're pretty close. Come on up. One more. Come on, Mac. Come on. You sit down. That was hilarious. That's good. I I need one of you on one side, one of you on the other. Come on up. Stand right in the middle. I need my friend Randy Johnson to come up here. Give Randy Johnson a round of applause. Awesome. Awesome. Good and high. Like, you guys have to be burly. You've got to be strong. Hold it up because Randy's so tall, you've got to get above his head. Good. Come here, Randy. Randy is my dear friend, and uh, sometimes I say something stupid. It, no, you never say anything. I do. Yeah, you do. You do. So, but we're friends. And when the relationship is good, we're on the same side of the curtain. We can hug. We can talk. We, we can look each other in the eye. We're good. I say something offensive. He sends me a very important text message. Hey, pastor, would you pray for this and that? And I see it. I read it. He knows I've seen it. Then I got distracted. And a day, two, three days go by, and I never acknowledge his sincere request for the prayer of his pastor and friend. And there starts to get this awkwardness. And what always happens if that hurt and that offense is repeated, it always brings separation. You know that. You hurt your spouse, 
you and your husband hurt one another. You may be at the same dining room table. You may be at the same living room. You may sleep beside each other in bed, but there might as well be a cinder block wall between the two of you. Sin separates. So, Randy, man, I'm really sorry for hurting you, but we just got separated. So, you, you, we are, we're on opposite sides of the curtain now. We can still go to church together. How's it going, Randy? Good. You doing all right? Good to see you. Yep, we can shake hands. We can kind of do one of those churchy hugs. Right? But we know. He knows it. I know it. We're separated. This is the problem between humanity and God. Our sin has separated us from God. It's called a transgression. God has a covenant with me. God has said, I will be this kind of God. You be this kind of person. And when I fail, when I transgress, I go across, right, transgress, I cross the line, I cause an offense, I fail, I sin, I'm unfaithful, I am on the outside of the curtain. It's the point of the Garden of Eden. There's no boundaries, no barriers, humanity with God, human sin, and whoop, out of the garden. You broke the rules, out of the pool, everybody gone. East of Eden, moved out, separated from God. God establishes his tabernacle, his temple. What does God put in the temple to keep his presence from people? He puts a big curtain. He says, you stay out there because you are unholy. We can be sort of friends. We can shake hands. I can speak to you. You can learn about me, but you can't come close. One time a year, a high priest would go in. He would offer a sacrifice for the sins of all the people, offer a sacrifice for his own sins. He would tie a rope to his ankle, put bells on him so if he falls down dead and the bells stop ringing, they can drag him out because the presence of God kills sin. And what happened when Jesus died, right? Boom. The curtain is torn in two. Come back. You, you, you don't get a big head. You did play the God figure there for a moment. <laughs> and suddenly, I can know God. The separation is gone. Can we give Randy a round of applause? Marcus and Mac, thank you. Write down. That is the good news. The good news is that God is like this. He finds my sin. He sees my sin, and he's not repeating it, stewing on it, dwelling on it. He's longing, oh, come. Isaiah says this, Isaiah chapter 1. I'm skipping forward a few verses here. Awesome. Isaiah 1, come, let us reason together. Come, let us talk. Even though your sins are as red as blood, they're scarlet, they're crimson, I will make them white as snow. How do you come to God? It's because Jesus died to remove the hurt. Jesus died to cover over sin. Jesus died to forgive us. And if you're here today and you feel like you're separated from God, it's because you are. It's because you are. And the startling reality of life is this. If I'm separated from God now, and I'm separated from God tomorrow, and I drift further from God in the next week, and I'm further from God a decade from now, three decades from now, four decades from now. If I'm separated from God in this life, I'll be separated from God in the next. I'll stand before God and say, 
I never knew this was you. And he'll say, I never knew you either. The beauty of the gospel is that that curtain is gone. The need to remain separate from God has been removed. We don't have to live separated. We can experience the love and unity that comes through Jesus. Romans chapter 3. Let me read this quickly. Verse 22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus. That means we put our hope in him. We trust in him. Jesus, I know I can't be right with God, but I trust that you can make me right with God. This is true for everyone who believes. Rich, poor, white, black, brown, any color, any race, any background. Jesus loves us all. Verse 23, not only does Jesus love us all, but we've all sinned. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's standard. We're all separated from him. Yet God in his grace makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of all of our sins. God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Men, women, boys, girls, every tongue, every nation, every background, people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Romans 4. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are out of sight. Like the joy of having a friend who's good at repairing. I'm just going to cover that sin over. I'm just going to forgive that and move forward. I'm going to overlook that offense. And joy enters the relationship. Oh, what joy for those who have that with God. This is a powerful thing. That was a good time for an amen. This is a powerful thing. I just heard a story. I'm just about done. I just heard a story that happened maybe a month ago, six weeks ago at Celebrate Recovery on Tuesday night. One of our Celebrate Recovery leaders was sharing his testimony. It was his testimony time. Great leader at our CR, great um, member at Vail Church, great good man of God, good family, giving his testimony about how he caused a car accident that claimed the life of a young person. And he had to go away for, for some time. As he stood there, gave his testimony about how God forgave him, God put his life back together, set him on a different course. Guess who was in the audience? The grandmother of the child killed. How does that happen? That's what Jesus does. Jesus just covers over sin. Jesus forgives it. Jesus allows us to overlook so we can have the beauty of an unseparated, unveiled relationship with God and other people, even those that we have hurt deeply. That's the gospel. Oh, what joy it is to be right with God. I have a friend in God because he's covered my sin, forgiven me, and he's overlooked all the stupid things I've done. And oh, the joy to have relationships that do the same. That's our challenge.
That's our challenge in this culture. This world notices when people who say they love God remain united in the midst of a polarized nation. In a world filled with political offense, in a world filled with opportunity to divide, where hurt is real. I'm not diminishing the reality of the injustices and the hurt. But Jesus can heal and unite people in the midst of very real hurt. You may become disappointed in a decision. Overlook it. Don't repeat it. You may be offended by someone's action. Forgive it. Move forward. Don't spread. Heal it. Be a friend that repairs instead of repeats. Many Christians first go to Matthew 18. That brother, that sister offended me. I'm going to go tell them one-on-one. And that's a beautiful biblical way. But it's not the only way. And frankly, it's probably not the first way to do it. 1 Peter chapter 4. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For what? Love When you love a brother and sister enough, their offense, you can probably just cover it over. You can probably just say, I forgive them. I don't even have to have the conversation. I love them enough, it's not even going to bother anything. And you bring immediate healing, and you put out the embers of dispute and hurt in your own heart. Just, I love them too much. Not even an issue. I'm moving forward. That's a beautiful thing. And people will live in harmony. Jesus has called us to restore everyone, everywhere to this kind of God. And may the Lord help us do that. In our final moments, Jose, you can come. Maybe today, that curtain of separation, that curtain of separation is between you and Jesus. And the most important thing you can do is to be made right with God by putting your faith in Jesus. Is that you? Like when we had this curtain up, the distance isn't between, between you and another friend. It's between you and God. And the single greatest decision this morning in our final 45 seconds plus a couple of minutes, the most important decision for you is to say, I'm going to come to God through Jesus. Maybe for you, it's some painful words your son said to you. And you haven't covered them over. Maybe it's some painful words that your father said to you. Maybe you, like me, have entered your middle years of life and you can still hear the echoed words of the ridicule and the pain and that hurt that's been ground into you. Jesus can help cover that and heal that. Maybe for you it's something fresh. It's a fresh wound, a wounded friendship, a wounded marriage doesn't have to become a broken one. And maybe the most important thing for you, husband, spouse, wife, right, is to say, our marriage is moving forward. We're going to start forgiving one another. Maybe the most important thing you can do is just go to God, not repeating the hurt, but beginning to speak forgiveness and blessing and peace into your marriage.
you're here today, let's just head toward a time of prayer. And you need to accept Jesus so you can be close to God, a friend with God. I want you to do two things. I want you to check the box on that connect and belong card. It says, I want to follow Jesus. Take that to connecting point. And we'll help you take those first steps in knowing Jesus. But the second thing is, is just to pray. So pray now. Dear Father, we are so thankful that you've been the kind of God that covers and forgives and overlooks sin. You are determined to restore relationship with us. We're thankful that Jesus died to cover up our sin. We're thankful that Jesus died to transform who we are. We want to be made a friend of God. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you got a lot out of today's message and that you'll share it with a friend. To stay connected with what's happening here at First Assembly, be sure to go to the App Store and type in 1-A-G-B-N to download the app. Remember, God's created you for a great purpose. Now go and live it out today.